Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. I actually like to think it's a special episode because I have not one but two people on the podcast. Doesn't happen all the time. It's actually very exciting. Currently starring in the Ruskin Group Theater's production of A View from the Bridge, we have... Drumroll, please. Do you want Kim Chase? I almost said the full name. And then we have Aurora Leonard. Welcome. Yay. Woo. Yeah. I used to have, I'm sure you heard me say this to other people, but I used to have like an applause app, but people over Zoom can't hear it. So then it's just me cheering very awkwardly over Zoom for you guys That's for funny. coming on to the podcast. So thank so you. Appreciate, so appreciate it. Yeah. Ooh, like yeah, you're going to get like much better us. applause tonight during thank your show you. of, of You from the Bridge very intense Arthur Miller production. Did you guys see the um, Ivan Von Hove production that they did? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I saw that on stage and I was like, I just, it rained blood, which just like blew my mind. Yeah, that, that was actually- rained, I love that part. Yeah. yeah. I liked, I liked, I, I, I can't say that um, it was my favorite interpretation mm-hmm. of the play. But yeah. I found it really interesting, and I and that was just that was so innovative and creative, and yeah, such a metaphor. Yeah, well, he's a very interesting director. When I was in London two months ago, I saw his production of A Little Life as well, and it there was very, uh, there was like a lot of elements that were very him, and some not so much. Um, but you know, this podcast isn't about Ivan von Hove and his play a little life it's about you guys so welcome onto the podcast so Thank we you. always start with where are you guys from yeah want to go first aurora sure um so i grew up in virginia outside of dc mm-hmm. and uh after college i went to virginia tech um i worked for a little bit in what they call the dmv area dc maryland virginia area and everybody in that area um tends to go, I want to say, like into politics, the federal government, um, military, a lot of military influence. And uh, I come from a military family. And then uh, I thought that that was the trajectory that I was going to go on. But then eventually I landed in New York and decided to pursue acting. And so I lived in New York for almost 10 years. And now I'm living here in Los Angeles. So I would say yeah, Virginia was where a lot of my memories, childhood memories come from. Very nice. And what about you? Where are you from? I grew up in New York City. And uh, yeah, well, city kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, I started um, when I was young, started singing. And so I started to work with different people. And I was like singing in clubs when I was a teenager. Um, uh, which then, uh, sent me on my first USO tour when I was 16 with Bob Hope. Wow. And yeah, it was old. <laughs> um, but I was one of the lead singers. It was great. And did that. And then, um, went to college in DC, uh, Catholic U, which was then a lead drama school in the eighties. And, uh, which means nothing now. Um, and, <laughs> um, and did a lot of work in different theaters in DC and, um, then I ended up oddly in Florida um, because a friend of mine said, why don't you audition for the Burt Reynolds Theater? And I was like, what's happening there? And I did it and I got in. And so 
I did a lot of shows there and I had amazing mentors. I was very lucky, you know, at age 20 to be working with Burt Reynolds and, you know, who young people don't even know who these people are, but it matters to me. <laughs> and yeah. Charles Nelson Riley and Dom DeLuise. And I mean, just amazing, amazing people. And I really learned not only professionalism, you mm -hmm. know, in the business, but, you know, I learned so much about this craft. And I was able to study with Jose Quintero, who's one of the top directors of Eugene O'Neill and Broadway. And, you know, I got to do, I, I feel very lucky that in my early 20s, I could do that. Um, and then I was going to do a Broadway show. And I won't say because I quit. And um, <laughs> and Charles Hudson Riley called me and said, come to Florence, come to L.A., come to L.A., Sheila, Carla. He called everybody different names to do a small play here. The, what was then the Melrose Theater that um, Pat Carroll was directing, was Uncommon Women and Others. And I came out and I never left. Uh, I would go back and forth to New York. I had a stint where I helped build a theater there and do that. But mostly I've, I've been here. Unless I get work there, I worked on a TV series last year in New York. But um, so mostly been in LA and uh, that's how I started. And I was so lucky because I had those people who mentored me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to come to LA alone. You know, like I feel so lucky because I don't know if I could have done it. And yeah. I had so many friends that I had worked with who also came. So mm -hmm. we had this immediate community, which makes me cry thinking about it because I just feel like it was so great. You know, you don't even realize how good it is when you're that young, you know, and like you're 23, 24 and everybody's here with you. So we all did it together. Yeah. You know? And we were all out in the trenches here together. We had started a theater company here at the Tamarind, which is now UCB Theater in Hollywood. And, you know, we were all just working together and supporting each other, which is, you know, I'm grateful for. Yeah. Well, I wanted to touch base on what you said. Um, a lot of the names that you name dropped that you were saying, you know, a lot of the younger generation probably don't know who they are. Oh, if yeah. you are of the younger generation and you're listening, look into these performers. It's always important to know, like, who these older performers are, what their careers were like. I mean, every career is different, but it's important to know like who the players were back then as well. And, you know, look back on their work and what they've done because, you know, you can look at any performer and, you know, get any type of lesson from like a, a stage or a film or um, TV show that they've done just like even in the smallest instances or scenes or anything like that. So I literally, I'm looking at my microphone as if it's like a person listening to my podcast, like I'm talking to my mic. So that's, that's my two cents, but, um, what got you both into performing? I know, um, Kim, you said that you started singing at a young age. It started yeah. with singing and then transform or just moved into acting. How did you get into that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I um, I was singing at a young age um, and uh, I got to work with somebody pretty great in New York. And I don't know, it sort of happened. It was sort of odd. I mean, I loved singing and I loved that. And then I went to school and got a BFA in drama. So I was studying it and um, and I was working in theaters in D.C. because I had to you know, help pay for school. Yeah. So if I could get summer stock jobs, I did summer stock. Uh, I would sing at clubs, you know, every, anything I could do. And it was then, it was clear, like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like, it yeah. just sort of just kept happening. Yeah. I just kept working. <laughs> yeah. So, so oh, sorry. I was just going to say, Kim has an incredible voice. <laughs> I hopefully one day we'll ah. get to hear it somewhere. 
Yeah, um, singing is stellar. So Aurora, what Thank about you? you? You come yeah. from, oh, sorry. No, I, I, my story is different because like I said, I grew up in a, in a very military government yeah. influenced area. Um, the first time I took an intro to acting class was my senior year in college. And I kid you not, up to that point, I thought that the only way one could be an actor was if they were just selected randomly off of the street. I mean, that's how sheltered I was. I thought it was a completely random process. And it wasn't until I had a Michael Anthony Williams, who I still consider one of my mentors today, he was my teacher at that time. He was the first person I ever met in my life who, who said, oh, I'm, a, I'm a working actor. The reason why he was teaching is because he had a daughter and he wanted to just stay put for a while. And I met him, I was like, wait, 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 you, you, you consciously chose to do this? I didn't know you could do it. I didn't even know it was a career choice at all. And that completely <laughs> blew my mind. And with his encouragement and just the class setting, you know, just collaboration with other people is so important when really trying to uncover and delve into the artistic self and expression. Because of that, I auditioned for a theater show there, something I never would have done. And I got the lead. And that I think is when the acting itch started. And mm -hmm. so again, never thought it would be a career I did get a job after college. I was one of the fortunate people, I would say, because this is the time during recession and people really couldn't get jobs. And after one month of having that job, I remember so clearly sitting in the parking garage and I called Michael and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do a nine to five. I really want to act. What do I do? And he, he uh, said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stay in that job for a year. You're going to live with your parents. You're going to save up your money. And then you're going to use that money. You're going to move to New York, go to the Esper studio. Um, it was a two-year school. And you're going to do it full time. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, I would say school was very transformative for me. It was nearly seven days a week, full time. And um, for me, it was, it was just, yeah, it, it's like night and day, the person that I was before that I think was just like a little bit more clinical and analytical and logical and then really, really, really kind of exploring more of like, oh, acting, expression, what's it like to step into somebody else's shoes? I mean, that, that was just really, really big for me. So uh, yeah, I think I, I came into it a little bit later, I would say than most people. Yeah. And what brought you out from New York to LA? Yeah, good question. Um, so, I briefly spent time in LA in 2017. And then I went back to New York. And at that time, in 2019, casting directors said, Aurora, if you really want to do television and film, you're right, you're right there, you're right at the brink of it, you need to go to LA. So I moved to Los Angeles the beginning of 2020. And then when COVID hit, I just oh, completely right. left the industry. Um, so I haven't been active really since 2019 because I moved at the beginning of 2020. And um, this play is the first play that I'm, I'm doing since 2019. Um, last show I did was at Arkansas Rep um, that wow. year. So this has been a real treat to come back into this and with an Arthur Miller play and working with folks like Kim. I mean, it's just been so really, really is. It renewed my love for theater. 
Right. It's, I just, that's what I also really love about theater is like sometimes, you know, you can just see a piece or you work on something and it kind of just like rejuvenates your soul and your passion and your love for it. Like, um, you know, in like my favorite musical is once and people have listened to the podcast. know that's one of my favorites. And when I was on Broadway, sometimes I would post like, oh, I just needed to see once to like rejuvenate my soul. And that's like, what great theater does. And, you know, I haven't performed since I was in college, but I would assume it would be like that. So I'm, let's talk about how a view from the bridge came into your life, because Mm -hmm. as anybody who is listening, everybody knows this play. It's, I mean, I, I don't think I read it in college. No, high school, we read Death of a Salesman, but it's Arthur Miller, View from the Bridge. I don't remember reading it in in school either. Yeah, I know. reading death of a salesman and then because yeah. then in school because you know I was a drama major I read it mm-hmm. but I don't think it was mandatory when we were in high school right it was death of a salesman is what everybody knows yeah, yeah. no yeah. I just remember my um I had the same English teacher for three years and he used to be a special education uh teacher so he would show if we were reading something he would show like a movie or something in relation to it so he showed us the um Brian Dennehy death of a salesman that they filmed at PBS. So that was my, that was my intro to Ron Eldard, which I wish I knew where he was now. He like disappeared. Um, but so that was my introduction to death of a salesman, but other Arthur Miller play that you guys are in view from the bridge. How did this play come into your life for this production? I should say. Uh, well for me, um, it was, you know, my agent said, do you want to audition? And I had, (laughs) um, and I love this play. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, my God, I, I would, I mean, I'd love to do an Arthur Miller play and I'd love to play Beatrice. Um, and I, I was also a fan of the Ruskin theater. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd seen a couple of shows and and I, I really like what they do. So I was like, sure, I'd love to. So that was it. I had to film the, the audition the day I was having knee surgery because <laughs> I tore my meniscus. And it all happened very last minute. So that morning I like filmed the audition and then went and had surgery and then, you know, was out of it for like two days. And then they're like, you have a call back. You have to go in. And I said, can you tell him I'll be in a cane, <laughs> but, but I, that it won't last very long <laughs> as it didn't, it was like five days, but so it was like day five after surgery, I had to go back in. Do you think and that I helped in my little cane? Do you think that helped at all with um your audition for the part? Like, oh yes, it's Arthur Miller, but you're like, I got other stuff going on. Let me just do this really quickly. This audition tape, maybe because honestly, that 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 <laughs> those two days, I had four things to film. Oh, okay, it was insane, mm-hmm. and it was the last one I filmed, I saved it for last. So who knows? But I also really um, the part really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. So it was. Um, it just felt so right and organic and, um, you know, I just the, her the character's journey, it was not, the audition was not difficult for me. It was, you know, sometimes some roles you really connect to, mm-hmm. you know, right, right. And some roles are like, oh, I've got to really, um, dig deep in here and find this. What part of me, you know, how can I, how can I find this and find who, how this you know, this person beat, you know, how their heartbeat goes, how it, how it all works. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for Beatrice, I didn't, for Beatrice, it was like, I stepped right in it for It felt that way for me. I mean, that was just a connection I had to it. 
Oh, such a treat when that happens. Yeah. I mean, that's so, you know, doesn't happen all the time at all. So, yeah. 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 Well, I, I found this play through uh, Re Abruzzo. Um, I was had the pleasure of working with him on an independent film that a friend of mine wrote and produced. And uh, we were filming it in Atlanta. Uh, oh, goodness. I want to say, was it May or June of this year? And then um, Ray was like, oh, where are you living? And at that time, I was actually living in the Bay Area. And he and I said, but I'm moving to Los Angeles. And he goes, oh, that's funny. I'm, I, we're putting up a play at the Ruskin Theater. And I think you could read for Catherine. And I realized it was for View from the Bridge, which is such an incredible play. He actually gave me a copy when we were filming in Atlanta because I wanted to reread it and I remember like lying in bed and once again being like what's gonna happen because it, it had been so <laughs> long I was like yeah. I what who's gonna die is somebody gonna die I don't know you know and uh I, I was there was so much excitement so uh I also filmed it when I was in Atlanta my audition um and yeah I think I think because I was on another project at that time it just kind of felt really nice to just work on something that was different um, mm -hmm. and but yeah I was on set when I was filming for this theater show and then uh, got the call back in person but yeah it was it was through Ray and I gotta say all the people at Ruskin Theater are really wonderful people yeah they really are it's such a um, nice feeling that yeah. theater right they're, they're very family yeah <laughs> you just feel um They've just, they've built a very safe, creative environment, mm. which might sound, you know, counterintuitive, but, uh, you know, cause you can really explore, but mm. it's, they make, they make everyone feel so welcome and, and like, you know, excited and inspired. Yeah. 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 It's a well, great I mean, group. Yeah. They also have an acting school as well that yeah. from what I have heard is very popular, which is great. I mean, I know that Austin, our mutual friend who set this up, <laughs> uh, she teaches there. She yes. speaks very highly of this company as well. And, you know, got to introduce you guys to me and me to you. And that didn't sound correct, but you know what I mean? So I'm um, white was the rehearsal process like for this show? So you, you get the part for say, oh, oh, Kim's like, oh, let's get into it. Because Aurora oh, no, was mentioning just, something we earlier about like, No, we finally had like two days off on Monday and it was six straight weeks of, of crying. Yeah, <laughs> crying. And, yeah. and exploring and like this dark, you know, so it was intense. I mean, uh, it was intense for all of us. It was very intense. Um, like I said, Mike Riley, our director, really gave us the space to explore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, but it's 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 a bear, and it's the the writing and the words are like poetry, and and it's they have to be exact. Yeah, you have to get it in your body. You know, so that was I think the, one of the hard parts was you know for all of us to sort of get in sync with that. Um, but we had a good time. I mean, Ray was wonderful. Ray Brusso is wonderful in the role. Amazing. Yeah, role. Ray Brusso, who he plays Eddie. So he we plays Eddie. And um, yeah, so, you know, we all sort of, I mean, I think it was all just good exploration, right, Aurora? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, because I, I had just played Ray's daughter on the film set, yeah. I'm playing his niece. Uh, that was really nice to just be, to have that familiarity in the rehearsal process. And Mike uh, is a pretty generous director. And so whenever we had ideas and things we wanted to try out, he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah let's experiment this or that. And I love that, you know, and lots of um, space for play. Um, yep. I think, you know, maybe there's not, I, I don't know if this is like my actor thing, but I always want more rehearsal time before the opening. I, you know, and I will say like, you know, like what Kim was saying, man, it was really grueling. I would say leading up to opening weekend, um, just there were things also outside of the rehearsal process, just like some PR stuff to do added on top of like really working such a, you know, rich piece. Uh, but yeah, I think um, the gift of Miller's words really helped yeah. um, deepen the circumstances and the relationships. I mean, I think we're still, even now that we're, we've opened, we're oh. still exploring. We're still like, oh, there's a moment there. Didn't find that rehearsal, but we're finding it now with a live audience and it's really nice. Yeah, every show, there's something new to discover. I think it will continue to just be like that. I don't think it'll... I don't think the nature of this this piece will ever you don't ever arrive. It's you're always sort of in the process of it. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of has that ephemeral quality about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and and like of course, like like you said, or like it we just you never feel like you have enough rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. But we really were like, we're not ready. But <laughs> somehow we we did it. Yeah. Yeah, and when the audience comes in, it just always brings it such a different energy and realization to those moments. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe another way to think about it for me anyway is like, oh, it's just another rehearsal. When the audience is there, it's just another way to explore what's happening. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up the audience because I was going to ask, how has the audience reactions been to this production that you've because I remember I went to see the Scarlett Johansson, Leah Schreiber version. And yeah. I think I went on like a Wednesday matinee and there was a school group. So when the lights were going down, somebody yelled out like, Scarlett, you're so hot. And then Leah Schreiber oh was on a talk show and he brought that up. And I was just like sitting in bed watching and I was like, I was there. But luckily it didn't happen during the show. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. have you had like a student from uh, Ruskin? yes production okay yeah they came to a lot of the previews um we we were so, so surprised i don't know right i mean from the first preview we got a standing ovation oh, wow and uh we were like what what just happened um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and the vocal response and the participation like like it's very it's a very intimate theater yes. like so intimate um that the audience is almost part of the the show and so we've had these experiences where we'll hear the audience say, like, and I won't give away what it is, but like an idea of like, oh my God, he's he's walking to the phone booth. Oh my God, she's, you, you hear them saying it out loud. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, yeah. they're they're in it. Yeah. They're, they're really in it with us. Yeah. That's what I really Surprises. also love. Yeah. I love about theater too is like audience reactions to things. Um, I, I always tell the story of like when I saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child for maybe like my third time there was a girl <laughs> sitting next to my friend and I who like had never seen the show and I think it was it was pre-pand it was yeah pre-pandemic before they changed it 
And just her reaction to like all of the magic stuff happening. She's like, whoa. It was just, it was my favorite, especially if you know what's happening and then you hear the reaction. And I mean, it's funny too, because when you were mentioning how like you were reading A View from the Bridge again, um, when I saw the ferryman for the second time, even though I knew what happened at the end, I still had like a very strong reaction to like the end of the play. So yeah, that's just, my theater is so great, you guys. Yeah, there have been some gasps and some laughs. That yes, that's right. Oh, the gasps. There, it's a gaspy show, some of the moments in this. You there know? are some moments, absolutely. And then, yeah. yeah, I think um, the audience also kind of helped identify maybe some humorous moments that yeah. maybe I had overlooked initially. Yeah. Now that you are running a little bit and you are running until October 8th and you're saying that, you know, you wanted more rehearsal time, even though you are up and running, do you still have moments where you kind of like get together to run lines, to run scenes, to do all those things? So it's like always in the process of bettering the show. You guys are nodding your heads. Anybody else want to vocalize what's happening? Because nobody on the podcast <laughs> like, can see you, you shake know, your right head. Now, right now, our, 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 we do shows Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. Mm-hmm. They might add that Thursday to that but uh until they do right now we meet on Thursday before the Friday show mm-hmm. do a run through yeah not a super intense run through but a run through like we'll do that tomorrow yeah just to keep uh, it fresh because it's too many days uh too many days apart, away from it yeah. yeah and you know it's a it's a lengthy play I mean it's a lot of text so um I, I don't want to imagine what it would be like if we didn't do that before the next uh, week's yeah. show. So we are meeting um, outside of it. And I'm very grateful that the cast is open to it. Yeah. I do want to bring up too, because um, when people hear LA, California, they always think, you know, film and television. They don't really think theater. So because you guys are actors based in LA and California, do you guys want to talk about the theater scene in LA? And uh, anything ab- like about Lyons it or I'm sorry I was gonna say I think Kim probably has more to say about it than me because I still feel new to LA um mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah so because there is LA theater I just feel like it's not as known as it would be like New York because you know again LA- it's, it's different here and there's little pockets you know so like um for years I did shows at the evidence room I don't know if you knew about the evidence room and so that was like Justin Tanner and with Laurie Metcalf and those people. So like there's these pockets mm-hmm. of L.A. theater that are small theaters, which great theater is happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I think it's a, it's a strange thing. Like I I don't know how how far it travels. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know. Um, I love so much of the theater that I've done here, um, mm-hmm. but it is a different it, it is a different animal than it is in New York. You know, because we do equity waiver in some of the smaller theaters. Um, so it, it is different, but I think there's some great theater happening here in L.A. Yeah, no, I definitely think that. I mean, this is also just based off like on a New Yorker who only has yet to go to L.A., although I have a very good friend from college out there. Um, I feel like a lot of the theater in L.A. is becoming a little bit more well-known and it's becoming, I don't want to say stronger, but like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say better, just more knowing, more, 
because what I will say about New York that I love about New York theater is that I think it is so relevant to the modern times like a fresh mm -hmm. play comes out that is relevant to what is happening yeah. um, again, because I'm not really in thick in the LA theater scene I don't know if they do that but I will say they love do. That about New York yeah. okay can, can say yeah that. and you're right it's similar in the smaller theaters too and you, you know that happens right where it's the fresher newer plays mm -hmm. um uh, and that happens here too. Yeah. In the smaller theaters. Yeah. So you guys are also a member of SAG-AFTRA and we touched upon it a little bit before we started the podcast. Do you want to talk about the strike and why it's important? Oh, um, it's or so, not, we can just so keep many talking if you turn um, the bridge. <laughs> you know, this is probably tiring people hear it from so many other people yeah. who are probably much more articulate about it than but you than know what I'm it's thinking, your but... perspective of it that's important because I you think know, it's so have... important uh, you know I'm in my 50s mm -hmm. and I feel like for actors in their 20s and 30s now mm -hmm. that it's 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 much harder in a different way you know it's easier to get into the union but once you're in the union you're barely paid so because the contracts have changed so much and because of what SAG deemed new media 20 years ago mm -hmm. hasn't changed and it has become the media, but we don't get any, I don't get residuals from shows from Showtime, from, you know, HBO, nothing like I get a dollar and we used to make our living mm -hmm. on residuals and what goes towards our, our pension and our health. Um, so those contracts need to change because people can't make a living. Um, it's it's very difficult now to to make a, a really good living and you could be working a lot and you're still not making a living yeah we told we it's, it's tricky in rehearsal like in the theater exactly that just how it, it does seem to have become more of a hobby now unfortunately rather than a, a career path so uh again because i i stepped away really when COVID started um coming back into it now, I was saying it's, it's it's interesting. I feel like us theater folk, we're like the coveted ones, if you will, for a moment in time, once again, because, you know, we're able to work right now. Um, <laughs> but obviously it's like, you don't want that to be the case for these reasons. I, I, I think all of us are hoping that there can be some agreement that benefits all of us, but I, who knows how long that's gonna take and, <laughs> what's really gonna come out of it. But all I can say is that, you know, the fact that, that we are working on a really rich Arthur Miller play right now is such a mm. treat. Um, yeah. And yeah, just, it remains to be seen what, what the future holds for this. Yeah. And and there is a real issue with AI and, you know, with technology and, but you yeah. know, that's it's a very I, conversation. I saw a play, at, like a month or so ago, and I ended up sitting next to somebody who is a lawyer for one of the studios. And they said that they're on the studio side and we started to get into it a little bit. And then the show started. And then I said to them, the show's about to start. Let's not get into it. And then at the end of the show, I just said to him like, oh, enjoy the rest of your trip, you know, because you talk to people next to you and then you find out what they do. But I think he was a little like, 
nervous talking to me after the show that I might say something, but I was like, enjoy the rest of your trip in New York. And then I just left, but it's, it's just interesting to hear different people's perspective. Like for me, like the AI thing, I'm like, I'm team sag after for that because, you know, not to get all like John Proctor, but you know, it's your name, it's your face, it's your identity. Like you don't want people using that. And they're like, oh, well, you would get consent. Like, yeah, you would get consent. But like, if you use it a hundred times in their lifetime and they're not getting paid and they get like paid $5 one time, like, how is that beneficial for them? Right. You know, it's terrible. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah. I'm, I mean, good thing for you guys though, you're doing a view from the bridge. So unless- I know, like what Aurora said, I feel so lucky to, to yeah. have, um, I, you know, to be exploring this, to having this creativity, like this collaborative yeah. thing, you know, working with people yeah. through this, you know, it almost feels like the pandemic again, you yeah. know, that, the weird, lonely, like that whole time, which, you know, it's, it's strange this time. It's a strange time and people are very worried. It's, it's a, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a nervous time. So yeah. It really affects all of our life. I mean, I actually have a friend who's a rental manager and she she was even saying, now is not the time for people to be raising their rent because the economy is just so affected by the strike in LA specifically. In um, LA specifically, absolutely. But yeah, it, 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 it affects more than just the theater. It's going to affect housing, you know, even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, let's transition back to a view from the bridge. Um, because in my little bit of research I was doing, and you guys were talking about the small intimate space of the theater. Do you think that helps with like the production being what it is? Because, you know, I've seen a view from the bridge twice on Broadway. You know, I can only just imagine being in like such a small place and such an intimate, how it just changes the um I don't want to say chemistry. I guess you can say chemistry, just like how it just changes the piece yeah. being so close to the audience. Or, you know, the chemistry you have with actors during certain scenes, if you know what I mean, Aurora. So. Yeah, it does change. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. only saw one of the one theater and um, Broadway um production of this show. And was that the Mark Strong, Ivan Von Hoff one? Yes. yes, that one. And actually, I feel like maybe that have been that was the first time I ever even saw view from the bridge i think mm -hmm. it was that bridge. i don't know if i even had read it before then i personally loved it <laughs> i loved how intense and dramatic it was and uh i think with the space and and ruskin theater it's interesting because it, in some ways it's appropriate because it's a hot box mm -hmm. of what this of the of how this family is living and the way that they're living um, at the same time, technically, yes, it has limitations. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting to, okay, well, you know, the stage only goes this far. So mm -hmm. how are we going to work this moment so that the relationship gets conveyed the way that it needs to be conveyed? So it has been definitely something new for me to, to work in that small space. But, you know, it seems actually kind of fitting because because of the way that the play is written. Um, there are actually lines to support how small the space is. Yeah. Yeah, I see it as a small house. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to laugh. And the audience kind of laughs too when, uh, when I say, we've got plenty of room. I know. <laughs> really rare. It's literally like, it, it's so small. When we first got on the stage, we all um, struggled a little, like, 
you know, with like how to, how to, how to be with each other and how to move and how to, you know, but now uh, it's interesting, like uh, with all the limitations, like you said, Aurora, I really feel like we have found sort of, it's so intimate now. We're so, uh, it's, it's almost, it's, it's more like film, you know, how, how we are, because it's, it's literally the audience is right there. Um, Ray had a lovely friend who was from Italy come to the show. And afterwards she was saying how she was so moved. And she said, I felt like I was in your home. Yeah. I felt like I was there right there with you. I was going through everything you were going through, you know, and that was an interesting perspective. Like that's how intimate it feels. Yeah. Well, I think some pieces work better in an intimate space. And this actually might be one of them because the majority of the play takes place in the apartment, not the whole play, but majority of the play. And in a, like, you know, I remember in rehearsal, it went, I kept saying, <laughs> I feel so trapped. I feel so trapped, you know, and, <laughs> and Mike Riley was like, well, use it. Like, yeah, that's what's happening. And I was like, oh, it's just like getting the whole thing in your body it was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that is it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any um, top going theater experiences in your lifetime of seeing shows? Yes. Let's see. You know, I did see. should have prepared for this, right? Because then I you know, I've, I've had people who I've like had to email these things to and they're like, I prepared for this and other people I'm just like, surprise. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I would say Death of a Salesman on Broadway with Philip Seymour Hoffman was yeah. such a highlight. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I was really affected by that one. Um, and I, you know, I actually wasn't really into musicals at all, but then after living so many years in New York, they started to grow on me and, you know, things like Book of Mormon and Wicked. It's like, it's just funny because I think old, like, you know, Pastor Roar would have never named um, musicals, but now I, I definitely have an appreciation and love for them. I'm like, wow, they're really, really artistic and deep and um, great storytelling pieces. I remember one of the times I saw Wicked, I think it was right around like the Trump Clinton election. And uh, my friend kept like screaming at intermission how like Alphaba is Clinton, Donald Trump is the wizard, and we're all the goats. Right? Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> it was like, yeah. <laughs> so like we're all, we were all Dr. Dillamond at that point. I love that. I think, I mean, I got to see Derek Jacoby um, in Hamlet. I got to see uh, Christopher Plummer play Iago. Wow. Super memorable for me. That's amazing. Yeah, super memorable. Um, trying to, th I'm sure there's a million others. And of course, now it just, yeah, I, go I, know. I, I, know. I, I go absolutely blank. I love those. <laughs> Yep. I, was, I love all the shows from like the public theater in New York. I've just always loved everything that I've seen there. You know, and it's well, Meryl Streep doing Taming of the Shrew. Ooh, oh, I, I did not see that, but there are clips that. of her yeah. and Raul Julia. Yep, I saw and, that. Oh. Gosh, it was, yeah, I was like, I don't know, 13 yeah. or something. Yeah, she was well, amazing. The Delacorte is actually closing um, and they're renovating it. So it's going to reopen in 2025. So I was even telling my friend the other day, I'm very curious to see what they open 
in 2025 the Delacorte with because they just did a production of Hamlet. So I'm curious to know what their big production will be. I know. I, I love that space. I have such memories of a kid. You could climb up, you know, in the park, mm-hmm. and sit, you know, where the Shakespeare thing is and you can sit and you can hear the whole show. Oh, wow. So if I couldn't get tickets, mm-hmm. my friends and I would climb up and sit and listen to the whole show. Or you just go to the Belvedere yeah. Castle. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. So you just sort of hang out there and you can hear it. You can, can't really see it, but you yeah. can hear it. And I used to do that as a kid. Wow. It's amazing. You know, I love that space. You mentioned Laurie Metcalf earlier, and I was, and it reminded me. I saw her in a Doll's House Part Two, and I mean, anything that she's in is just incredible. But man, she was. Oh, you just enough. reminded me because she did with um oh god recently, and I saw it and went three three women. Is yeah. Yes. No, with um, Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Jackson and yes. Allison yes. Hill, and that was an amazing theater experience. Yeah, I that was absolutely that because that was out of my oh. range for tickets. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I that that was, whew. yeah, that was, that yeah. was mind blowing. Those yeah. three, she three was just um she just did a show on Broadway called Gray House, which unfortunately didn't last right. very long, but it had um Paul Sparks and uh, Tatiana Maslany in it, and yeah. And he's going to be doing a production of Waiting for Godot with uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, who I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm both very, like, weirdly attracted to both of them. So I think that would be a very interesting show for me to see with me being like, why do I feel these ways <laughs> both these men? Um, do you guys have any dream roles or projects that you would want to do or work on? A dream theater role. I'd love to play Martha and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I can oh, see that. Yes. Just, yeah. Both Aurora and I are putting our hands up and like clapping them close. Yes, please. We're manifesting it. Listen, this ma- this podcast is magical. We can manifest things. I had somebody on here last year. They said, my that. dream is to do Shakespeare in the park. I shit you not a year, like a year and a day later when I recorded it with them, they announced that they were in Hamlet at Shakespeare in the park. So <laughs> I would love to do Shakespeare in the Park too. I always wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah. who doesn't? What a treat! Yeah, I know. Yeah. I never. Yeah, because twenty twenty five, you're going to be in their production, whatever it is that they open. <laughs> I would if I could play Martha. Uh, oof. Martha at Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, <laughs> the music, <laughs> Aurora. Um, you know, I I think yeah, I would need more time to think about it. But it's funny, I actually there are two theater houses I would love to perform in. Um. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm new to LA, I would like at one point to do the Geffen. And mm-hmm. I actually would love to do Arena Stage in DC because it's a very nostalgic theater for me because it's when I saw A Thousand and One Arabian Nights there afterwards um, that really fueled, again, my desire to say, I want to be an actor. Um, and it was at Arena Stage, which is a small, smaller theater in DC. And so it's that's a great stage. I work, I love that theater. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a no. It's a very well. I think they're doing shit. What is that called? This new musical is like an Avid Brothers musical, swept away with like John Gallagher Jr. and Stark Sands. I think they're doing it there. Oh, great! Yeah, hoping. I hope it comes to Broadway. You know, anything with John Gallagher, I'm there for. So, <laughs> in musicals, I'd love to play uh, the mom and dear Evan Hansen. I could see that too. Well, hold on. Which mom? Evan Hansen's mom or Evan Hansen's yeah. mom? 
who sings the song so big so small yeah i can see it just like manifesting all these things for both of you <laughs> right it's fun yeah. why not yeah like we'll do it why not it'll be great so do you like i always end the podcast with this question if i remember to ask it and luckily i did and i think we have touched upon it a little bit throughout our conversation but why do you both think theater is important oh I have an answer, but do you want to go, Kim? You have an answer? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I I think theater is important because, and maybe I'm biased because it was my first love, but I love theater, one, because as I mentioned earlier, I think it's a powerful way to convey what's happening currently, you know, whether it's political, um, something cultural, uh, I think theater is such a personal way to communicate that message because of the live audience feedback and because of the live discussion that can happen right afterwards. And I, I think theater is just one of the best ways to kind of push these cultural movements that happen um, is by having these conversations in the theater spaces. So that's that would be my answer. The question brought tears to my eyes, which I'm like still oh, trying to figure out what, wow, that was like, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry to make you cry on the podcast. No, like in a beautiful all the emotions way. we bring out here. <laughs> I do. Um, and it made me think of, uh, I was seven years old and I went to the Milburn Playhouse, with my mom and saw Shelley Winters do Man in the Moon Marigolds. And that was the play that said to me, I want to do this. And I think a lot of what I, I think I felt then was like to see in um, a space where people work through real life emotions, things that you think, you know, think about, go through and to have that and to be able to reflect on it um, is it's the human condition. And you know, live theater, you know, you really are right there experiencing the human condition, yeah. you know, even if it's total joy and fun and, 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 and silliness, you know, and, and music and whatever it is, it's part of how like we vibrate, how we, how we make it through a day, you know, and it's, it it's, it's a reflection of who we all are as human beings. So it's such a beautiful art that way. Yeah. And just watching the collaboration, I think, can help people see people working together, you know, all different types of people working together. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's a beautiful message to send. Yeah. So you know, theater, well before television and film were doing this, they were doing colorblind casting, you know, and and like that was really cool to go to a theater show and have a family, but people being represented from different cultures and stuff. And now they're doing it, I think, on film. But for a long time, they weren't. And theater was the only place doing that. That's think. right. Yeah. That's right. And there is, you know, in this kind of art, again, because it's such a collaborative art, you know, it is about people negotiating and navigating, uh, you know, working together. And then in the story they're telling, you know, it's about that. So it's, it's twofold, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's 
for you know people to come and experience that i think it like i said it helps us recognize our humanity i think yeah. it brings some humility and and some you know also some you know it's exulting to see that it's like wow look at that look at what people can do and we you know a lot of plays are telling the story of ordinary people yeah which ironically is kind of like a perfect segue to end the podcast and talk about how you guys are doing a view from the bridge and how you can see a view from the bridge at the Ruskin group theater until okay. October 8th, uh, get your tickets. If you're listening, if you're in the Santa Monica area or elsewhere and you want to travel down, thank you both so much for coming on. You can stay on after I stop recording and thank you all for listening. Go see a show and go see a view from the bridge. Anything else you ladies like to add, say? No, just thank you so much. Your podcast is great that you support theater like this is amazing. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Please, thank you both for coming on and thank you for listening.